Maybe don't know. Maybe don't know. This time, 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 What's up, everybody? I'm your host, Chris Hampton. And this is Nate Drolet. And together we form the A-Team. I kind of want to be Hannibal, but I also want to be B.A. Baracus. So I don't really know which one I am. Do you know who the A-Team is? Yeah. 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 I I was just going to say I'm probably more like B-Team myself, but... That's not... No. That's That doesn't... I know. Not the same it, thing. We can't even go there. I know. It's a reference. It's, yeah, it's a bit dated. Yeah, I don't like your it's, joke. Yeah. It's, um, <laughs> no, you're Murdoch. You're definitely Murdoch. And except for, I think it's Hannibal's van. I'm not really sure whose van it is they drive, but you drive a van. I, I do. don't. Yeah. So maybe we should paint your van A-Team colors. We probably shouldn't paint a van with 290,000 miles. Yeah, you have a point. And it's American made, let's be honest. Uh, theirs probably was too. I mean, it was the 80s, for God's sakes. America didn't have anything Japanese at that point. <laughs> so, anyway. It's rock um, climbing. We are cranking these episodes out right now. We're here in Bozeman, Montana. Uh, still having a great time. We kind of wrapped up with the, the youth team tonight. Um, working with their parents tomorrow morning, which is going to be interesting. It's our first parent workshop. And I'm... Even though when I when we started working with youth teams, I was like, I just don't want to deal with parents. I'm kind of excited to work with the parents. Like, I don't know. I think this could be really cool. Yeah, I think it's going to be really good. Yeah, we're going to go into practice and what it is, and then into mindset and the language they should be using with their kids, which I'm stoked for. Yeah, we'll see if they listen to me. As yeah. far as uh, you've got a kid, that helps. Yeah, I've, I've got a kid older than all their kids. So. Yes. I have way more experience, so you guys need to pay attention to me. <laughs> um, what are we talking about today? This is your topic, so why don't you explain it? Yes, so this is one I was really excited about. It's uh, yeah, You've been pushing it for like three months now. For so like, long. Let's do this one, let's do this one. I'm like, no, that's fucking stupid. Hey guys, remember this one? <laughs> hey guys, pay attention to me. Um, so it's, I wish I knew now what I knew then. Yes, that's correct. Yes. Not... I wish I knew then what I know now. The opposite. Yes. So main idea mm. being, um, yeah, I, you know, it's not like we're always getting better at everything all the time. Like there are things right. that I know I used to do really well that I just, it kind of got lost in the mix and I gave it up for some reason or another. And the more I reflect and the more I've been climbing and the older I get, like the more I realize, man, I there are some things I used to do that were really smart or they just happen to like, work really well. And so I'm starting to go back to these ideas and these things that I was doing, you know, like 10 plus years ago. Yeah. And even though we've both, I think we both believe we've overall gotten better, that doesn't mean we've gotten better in the most efficient way. We could have, there's some of those things we should have held on to or could have held on to that might've made a big difference. Yeah. And did you know you look like Dave Graham when you're wearing that beanie? Perfect. <laughs> you can just refer to me as a wizard for the rest of this podcast. Okay. Nathan, the wizard, Drolet. <clears throat> okay, so we're going to go back to our top three uh, 
format for this one. I think this one fits well with that. <laughs> so since it's your topic, I'm going to let you jump off. All right. I'm starting with, uh, this is my favorite of them, but it's uh, trusting my intuition over going with just what seems logical. Okay. Um, so yeah, I mean, when you first start climbing, especially like I started climbing, I don't know, like 13, 14 years ago, like there wasn't, to me, there wasn't a ton of information out. There was, act, there was a decent amount, but it's like, I didn't have access to it. Like, it's not like I was reading books at the time. And so I kind of just did what seemed to make sense to me Sure. with yeah. a lot of things. As we all did. Yeah. I mean, it, it makes sense, right? Um, so there are a couple different things. Like there are some things that I definitely fell for. So like, so to speak, and there's some things that where I stuck with my intuition over time that I am happy about. And so there's some things that I've waffled on. Um, so to kind of start with one thing that I fully disregarded my intuition and I just like drank the Kool-Aid on was absolutes when talking about technique. So Mm. example of this would be when I started climbing, a lot of people were like, Oh, doing something with momentum or like dynamically, that's cool. But if you can do it statically, that's way better. Right. Well, that's true. (laughs) (laughs) So man, like, no kidding. I did Frenchies Um, every day. Right. Right. Not only that, I mean like you have to be able to lock off in every single position you can get your arm in always. Yeah. Like, and so, yeah, I just like, I locked off everything. And even to this day, like I don't train shoulder moves or lock offs really ever. And it's without question, still my strength just because for the first, I don't know, like four or five years, I locked off every single move to the mm-hmm. point to where I like, if I couldn't lock off, I either had to lock off or it was a dyno. Like those were my two speeds. <clears throat> yeah. Um, so that was something, you know, and now I'm much more wary of absolutes. If someone says you should always do this or like you should always climb with straight arms or you should never let your feet cut. Anytime I hear absolutes now, like, man, that's a huge red flag for me. Yeah. Like, Cause there's totally, there are no absolutes. It's like, there's no situation to where it's like, Oh, you should never do this or always do this. Like, yeah. I'm so I'm now I'm very weary of that. And I'm starting to go back more and more towards intuition of like, well, what makes sense to me? Like with these different things, um, great example is, and these are things that I hear now. And these are examples of things that logically sound really good. So you shouldn't climb while training, you shouldn't climb till you're so pumped that your skill starts to break down because it's going to form bad motor patterns. Right. Man, on paper, that sounds great, doesn't it? Drives me fucking insane. It's fucking, it's so dumb. Because here's the thing, like, if you want to be good in that redlining zone, you have to spend time there. Like, yeah. you need to know what happens when your skill starts to break down. Like, what's happening? Do you stop waiting your feet? Yeah. Like, do you start hesitating on things? Like, if you're going to get pumped when you perform, you have to practice how you perform. Yeah. If your only endurance work is arcing and hangboarding, the minute you get pumped, you're going to fall the fuck apart. Yeah. Period. Your footwork's not going to know what to do. So here's the thing. Like with something like that, if you're just always climbing until you're just bricked out of your mind and you're flailing and you don't pay attention to it. Yeah, that can be a bad thing. However, this can serve as a highlighter for all of your technique flaws. When we get stressed, we fall back to our training. Mm -hmm. Great example that I like to use when I talk to people about this is I use you and me as an example. When I get really pumped and stressed and I'm not able to keep that under control, I climb really square. I start locking off open hips 
And man, right. I just like square up to every single move. Yep. And you do the exact opposite. Yep. I'm like hip to the wall. Yep. Let's twist as much as possible. Yeah. In your background, you have so much more experience. <clears throat> You've put in so many more thousands of moves of twisting. So for you, you start getting really twisty and drop name. Yep. But the thing is, if you're not aware of that, if you get to a move that you have to climb square and right. you're only able to twist like that, that's an issue. Yeah. And you might as well put yourself in that position while training. It's silly to put yourself in that position on your project and fall there for seven days in a row when you could have handled that in the gym and done it on the first day. Yeah. And so, like I was saying, stress serves as a highlighter. We break down during stress and we go back to our training. Yep. So if you're very much like an upper body dominant person and when you start getting pumped or scared, you start weighting your hands heavily and you, your feet start skating. Okay. Like you need to start working on that. Like get yourself in these, a similar, maybe slightly lower stress position and really focus on your footwork. So that way the next time it happens, that's not the first thing <clears throat> that breaks down. Yep. So something that a lot of people will refer to is, you know, it, it sounds like great logic. Like, you know, it's one of those things like, oh yeah, you like your skill will break down. Don't do that. Avoid that at all costs. Yeah. Like on paper, it sounds good, right? Yeah, sure. But really it's like, that's just a roadblock. On somebody else's paper. Doesn't sound good on my paper. <laughs> yeah, so, I, I actually remember the moment that I recognized that as a valuable tool. And I was a 5'11 trad climber. And I realized that when I watched people get tired, their feet were the first thing that fell apart. Hmm. And I went into the gym with the intention of, I'm going to get myself really tired and I'm going to think about my feet. I'm going to really focus on my feet. And that stopped happening to me for a long time. Like after I spent time working on that, there aren't that many times where I've gotten tired and my footwork fell apart. Yeah. So now you've put in the, the amount of work. And actually, I right. remember reading something you wrote a long time ago when you said, you would do four by fours. Your last one would always be on a vert wall. A vert wall, yep. Yeah. So I had to really focus on on standing on little tiny feet. Yeah. Yep. And I think that's a great idea. Another example of this, and this is like one that really hits close to home for me, is climbing fast. Like there is this, and it goes very much with being pumped. Like people say, hey, only climb so fast that and you can do in control. Let's not push it any further than that because right. your skill's going to break down. Right. What that act and on paper, it's like, oh yeah, like I don't want to climb sloppily, so I'll just climb as fast as I can while climbing well. Yep. And then I stop there. Which for me is like almost stopped. Yes. Yeah. F full sloth mode. <laughs> but what that is in essence saying is stay in your comfort zone. Right. Don't branch outside of it. Don't try and get in that learning zone. Don't yeah. bump up against the edge of your comfort zone. Yeah. Stay in it. Because that's get how better. You, exactly. Like, when has that ever fucking worked? Like have you ever heard someone say, oh, and whenever you're uh, learning how to play musical instrument, don't do anything that might cause you to make a mistake. Right. Like, only do things you can do perfectly every time the first time. Stay there. Right. Like that, <clears throat> that advice doesn't work anywhere in learning ever. So to me, it's like, that's a very frustrating thing. But on paper, it sounds great. So I think I did a really great job when I first started climbing of, yeah, you just kind of have, like, you don't know any better. You're like, oh, if I want to get better at climbing fast, I should climb fast. Like right. if I want to climb harder on crimps, I should climb on crimps. Like, you, you mean know. common sense applies sometimes? It, yeah, but it kind of goes away. Like, you know, you start <laughs> thinking about things too much. And so yeah. to me, that's something that I very much lost a sense of was just trusting my intuition. Um, so yeah, that's my number one.
Yeah, I think I think that's a great one, man. I think I'm also at a disadvantage here because you've been thinking about this for three, <laughs> three months while I dismissed it. <laughs> All you've been thinking about is how terrible of an idea this podcast is. <laughs> that's my number one, actually. Yeah. No. Um, my number one is is actually, and most of mine actually, and probably most of yours, are things that we've identified as things that we can work on again. And they're Mm -hmm. things that are making their way back into our regular practice. And mine is try hard. You know, I, I'm not actively working on it right now because to actively work on it, I would have to actively be rock climbing Mm -hmm. and that's not happening though. It's about to, we'll see. (laughs) And, uh, but it is something I've brought back in when I was a younger climber and I was a traddy, I just went for it. I went for it all the time. A muerte. Like, you know, you'd, you'd have to pull me off the wall to have me fail at anything below complete and total utter failure. Mm-hmm. You know, that's, that's how it was every single pitch. But once I learned how to project and I learned how to work moves and I learned how to make something feel perfect or damn near perfect, make it feel effortless. You know, we always hear about, Oh, when I finally sent, it felt effortless. When I learned how to do that, I was like, I want that feeling all the time. So when there came effort, I would shy away from it. Not all effort, mind you, if you know, I was still a red river climber. So if it was pump, I could battle, mm-hmm. but if it was a really hard move, I didn't want to try really hard. I wanted to fucking relax through it. Mm-hmm. You know, I wanted to three finger open hand, wave my pinky at the crowd and not have to try hard. You know, that's how it felt. I didn't want to bear down. I didn't even know how to bear down at that point. And that's something I've had to bring back into my practice. And after bringing it back in, I did my first several V10s and was just able to to pull that out faster. Like I could I could try harder at will. And some of that is still carrying over. You know, I'm still able to turn it on as long as I leave the ground with the intention I'm going to try really hard. If I ever get on the wall and just go, well, I don't know, we'll just see. I go right back to let's try and relax and make it feel easy. Mm-hmm. You know, so I think trying hard is a skill. I completely that, agree. That a lot of people don't uh, don't give enough credit to. Yeah. So. No, I fully agree. I mean, and it's, you know, it's tough. Like, it's funny you talk about, like, wanting to climb things effortlessly. Like, there's a lot of times <clears throat> I have to remind myself that hard rock climbing is hard. Like, yeah, you know, yeah. there's times where it's like, oh, like, I have this great beta and I have this bump and this drop knee and this is all smooth and great. And then it's just like, fuck, it's still really hard. And then I'm like, oh, wait, it's because it's a hard rock climb and that's why I'm trying it right. because it's hard and it's a challenge. Yeah. And so, yeah, there are times where it doesn't matter how perfect everything is. You just have to knuckle down. And I mean, that's something I'm fully guilty of as well. Like, you know, if it used to be that if I didn't know any better, it's like, oh, I'm just going to try harder. Yep. And now it's like, I think I'm finally coming around to that more and more. And thankfully I've had some friends call me out on it where, you know, I would just try and beta things down forever to the point to where, they're just like, hey, man, just try hard and you'll do it. Mm-hmm. And sure enough, I'd be like, oh, oh, yeah, I'll give that a try. And I'd try hard and be like, oh, I could have saved myself days like by just trying really hard. Yeah. 
Um, so yeah, it, and I think it's, it's definitely a skill. Like it's hard to cultivate, especially, you know, if you feel like you're trying hard, like, you know, you're a great example of this. Like you felt like you were trying really hard when you're at the top of a route, but really right. that's you powered down to like 60%. Right. And yeah. you're like, Oh, I'm fighting. I'm, I'm great fighter at the top of a route. I'm really trying hard. It's like, well, really you're like, you're, you're good at giving 60% when right. you're tired. Exactly. The maximum I could give at that moment was 60%. Yeah. And so you were great at holding on at that, but like yeah. to be able to just flip the switch off the ground to hundred percent, I mean, that's like, that's very difficult. And it's that's really something hard. that takes a lot of effort to be able to do. Yeah. And you know it when you see it, you know, yes. there, there are a lot of rock climbers who can pull onto the wall and be, you know, zero to a thousand, you know, right that second. They just, they're going and they're going hard and they're committed. And I just didn't have that skill. You know, so it's something I've worked on and it's something I need to continue working on. Um, and I do have that intention occasionally, you know, I think that when I go into the gym, if I want to flash something, I turn that on, you know, if I, if it's a move that I'm falling repeatedly at, but getting close to, then it occurs to me, okay, I need to turn that on. I wish I could. And, and let me, let me rephrase that. Not that I wish I will in the future work on it more so that I get better at turning it on and off when it needs to be turned on and turned off, you know, instead of having to fall four times and then realize, oh shit. Yeah. I just need to try really hard right there. Mm -hmm. So like I said, it's a skill needs to be practiced. I used to be really fucking good at it. Now I'm not nearly as good. So yeah, that's my number one. Right on. Um, so my number two is being well-rounded versus specializing. Um, okay. And this is something I... Well-rounded like crack climbing in Vitavu? Oh, I went that day. <laughs> <laughs> you did. You did. Yeah. Um, <laughs> well-rounded kind of in a lot of senses. Um, you know... I think if we're looking at a more detailed sense, something that I got, I was very guilty of a few years ago. And I'm, I like to think I'm finally working away from it more and more is, uh, the special snowflake syndrome where it's like, I, I'm different than everyone else. Like I have my own special needs, all these different things, you know, all these it's bullshit is what it is. It's me like avoiding the obvious instead of saying like, Absolutely. yeah, I mean like it's hilarious. Like I look at like how I, climb in the gym and or how I've climbed in the past and I'm trying to avoid it more and more now and I'm getting better for sure but it's still hard is like man I like betaing things down like and there are times where it's just like oh this is a straightforward power problem like I should climb it I'm in the gym I need to get better mm -hmm. at straightforward power so I should do this how it's set I yep. shouldn't try and do all these like goofy bicycles or drop knees or things like that like you know there it serves a purpose yep. um and yeah and you know as far as training or just I mean, I think a lot of special snowflake syndrome of just, which for anyone who doesn't, isn't familiar with it, it's just, I mean, really it's just making excuses is what it comes down to. Instead of saying like, Hey, like I need to nail down the basics and the fundamentals. It's like, mm, I'm different. Like, so that's something that I used to be, I think incredibly guilty of. And I try and steer more and more away from it. And I look at, okay, like, yeah, I think like a general base of strength is really important. And that's something I ignored for a long time. Mm -hmm. And I do need to be able to climb straightforward power problems. And 
You know, I look at the types of routes and the types of boulders I've done and what have I done that's that's been hard and what just shuts me down. It's like, well, how much time do I spend on the things that shut me down? Right. Like, am I bad at them just because, you know, I've got short fingers or, you know, some sort of like genetic thing or is it like, am I just bad at it? Cause I've been avoiding it forever. Yep. Like, and so for me, that's like one type of specialization. That's but, how crimping was for me. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah, if you avoid them, you don't get better <laughs> at them. That's for sure. Yeah. Um, but on the other hand, just like much more broadly, like honestly, like bouldering versus sport climbing, I definitely used to believe that, you know, a lot of people have said, you know, if you want to advance in a certain sport, you need to specialize in that sport. Cause if you try and go across too many things, you're not going to be able to get the most out of one, but it's not like we're trying to like bobsled and do the modern pentathlon or something. Right, right, right. Like, and you can't specialize in being a drop knee climber like you could some people do yeah uh it doesn't work very well yeah but i mean even for me i don't think i'm a good enough climber that it makes sense for me to be like oh i'm only going to boulder to get better at bouldering or right. i'm only going to sport climb mm -hmm. what i've realized and dave mcleod mm -hmm. actually uh, wrote something about this and i just came across it the other day and it's kind of funny that i re like came back across it but he was just like yeah i think everyone should like keep sport climbing every now and then just so they remember how to move well. Like even if you are like a, going full tilt bouldering, like, okay, I'm going to boulder what I'm going to boulder hard. I'm going to put a lot of my effort into it. You should still be sport climbing a little bit. So you don't just start moving like an asshole. Like, <laughs> yeah. I mean, that's yeah. the thing when you've got power to burn, like we start developing these affectations, like suddenly got I'm power to burn. Yeah. Yeah. Like you find yourself locking off moves that you don't need to be locking off or like campusing around a little bit, like in unnecessary places totally. where if you're sport climbing, you don't do that. Yeah. I think sport climbing teaches you to move relaxed as well. Totally. You know, and maybe that's part of why I wasn't so good at trying hard for those years because I quit. Uh, I didn't do any kind of bouldering. I didn't even go to the gym and boulder. I just went to the gym and sport climbed. Mm -hmm. Like that was it. You know, I grew up in a bouldering gym. Um, so early on I knew how to try hard, but, but yeah, I think that you have to sort of play in all disciplines to continue improving. And I think it's a great way to plateau bust as well. Oh, no kidding, man. That's, I think it's the best way to go as far as just like kind of alternating between those. Yep. Um, so yeah, that's in, I mean, you look at the top climbers of in the world today, yeah, like, absolutely. They can all do both well. Like yep. even the best boulders, like you look at Jimmy Webb, <laughs> like in a few weeks, like of sport climbing, he comes back and he can climb 14 plus. Yeah. And I got news for all you tradies out there. Uh, you're not snowflakes either. <laughs> um, if you look at any of the top sport climbers, when they try to switch to trad climbing, they've passed up all the tradies very quickly. You know, they can, Ethan Pringle went and did Cobra crack when he like, had barely crack, barely crack climbed. You know, it's not, if, if you, if you're a trad climber and you only go trad climbing, then you're shorting yourself on a lot of learning how to move. Yeah. So yeah, I think, I think, I think when we say well-rounded, you know, I made the joke about Vitavu as soon as you said it, but I think that's what we think of like, Oh, you know, a, a sport climber who, needs to learn how to go trad climb like needing to go learn how to trad climb is becoming well-rounded like mm -hmm. that's kind of that's kind of how it seems the go-to definition of it is 
you know, and a lot of trad climbers, I think would tell you, I think I would have when I was a traddy that oh, I can go sport climb. I can go boulder cause I'm a traddy. Like five twelve cracks are way harder than five twelve sport. Not true. Not true <laughs> at all. They're exactly the same grade. That's why they're called exactly the same grade. So I think that doesn't exclude the people who are, you know, have the least common component, which is probably track climbing. No. At least hard track climbing. Yeah. Very uncommon. Yeah, maybe like iced and mixed climbing. Yeah, but, that that doesn't even count. No, but then you look at like Patrick Klingler. <laughs> like Yeah, a lot of a lot of those folks are really great. I mean, yeah. Yeah. Um, but yeah, you know, I think there's just I think it's easy for us to be be like, oh, I need to like specialize in a certain thing or like I am different from everyone else, but you know, it's all climbing. Like the difference between doing an 80 foot sport climbing and doing like a 12 foot boulder isn't as different as we like to think. Right. Yeah, totally. Um, uh, you want to take a break? Yeah, let's take a break. Take a break. break. Hey everybody, Chris here. I'll try to keep this short and sweet. Since this thing became officially official, I've basically been obsessed. I've got dozens of episodes waiting to go out and I'm constantly recording new conversations. I want to continue putting this level of energy into it and you all can help. We've created a page at patreon.com slash powercompanypodcast where you can help support what we're building. In return, even for as little as a dollar per month, you'll get access to the brand new We Scream Like Eagles podcast, which includes tips from our guests, extra conversations about hot topics, and Q&As with your questions posed to our guests. If you think it's worth more than a dollar a month, we've got other rewards available on top of the bonus episodes like stickers, ebooks, t-shirts, and training plans. So if you've been considering pitching in, now's the time. That's patreon.com slash powercompanypodcast. Thanks a ton, and back to the show. And we're back. Um, and I'm back with a slow elk oatmeal stout. Uh, Big Sky Brewing, Missoula, Montana. Shout out. Um, <laughs> I like to. I'm sure they're listening. <laughs> they, they are. Don't doubt, man. Don't doubt. Got a big fan base in Missoula. <laughs> it's true. Actually, we kind of do. Um, but I, I like to drink stouts, and they are mostly only available in the winter. And that's the main reason that I'm happy that it's blizzarding here in Montana because I have stouts available to me. So anyway, my number two, is that where we are? Yes. Yeah. So my number two is that, uh, I wish I still knew that I knew back then that it's not all eyes on me. Um, and that sounds a lot worse than it actually is. It's not that I think when I walk up to the crag, everyone stops and turns and looks at me. Um, it's more like I'm now a coach you know, my, I've, I've created, um, not created. I don't know what the right word is, but my voice is now an authority on, <laughs> on this subject. You know, it just is, there's really no way in getting around it. That's why when I go to the crag, everybody wants to ask training questions, you know, and, and that makes it really tough to want to, be okay with failure. You know, if I, if I step onto a route 
and and I fall where it's not expected that I should fall, I feel like everybody's watching. And, and I can tell that that's happening. Um, so I try to sidestep it as much as possible. And, and I don't mean I try to avoid it. That was totally the wrong <laughs> word. Um, I try to address it as much as possible. And I try to, I go out of my way to try and get in front of people and do things, you know, and fail. Because I think that it should be put out in the open that I'm not perfect. I'm struggling through this. I'm working through it just like all of you guys are. You know, and I think that's part of why I can be okay with being an authority um, because I'm in the same boat. You know, I get it. When I was younger, though, it just didn't matter. I just didn't care. You know, I could go out there and completely be free to try whatever I wanted to try. And if I failed, I failed. If I did it, I did it. There really was, I mean, there wasn't an 8A to spray on back then. You know, there wasn't, nobody gave a shit. There weren't any internet forums. You know, nobody was talking about it. So early on, it felt a lot freer, you know. And now there are a lot of times where it feels like more people are watching. And you and I have talked about this a little bit. Yeah. Especially because we're coaches. We walk into a gym expecting people to pay us money to coach them. And then we're going to fall on their project. Yeah. You know? Yeah. No, I mean, it's, it's something I struggle with for sure. Like, I mean, and I, I know for a fact, no one really gives a shit. Like I walk into the gym and it's like, no one cares. I mean, to be fair, most times when I walk into a gym, I'm wearing my, uh, tension t-shirt that Will England gave me. And if anyone asks my name, I just tell that I'm, I'm tell them I'm Ben Spanath and I'm if, fat now. <laughs> if you're having a bad day, you just yeah. tell them you're Ben Spanath. I'm fat Ben Spanath. <laughs> Um, and then it's Sorry, fine, Ben. Yeah. Sorry, we're defiling and desecrating your name like that. Yeah. Um, but no, it's a real thing. Yeah. Like, you know, I go in and especially when we do some of these workshops, like, uh, where it's more or less like climb with the power company on our opening nights and, uh, go to a new gym and yeah, we're supposed to be authorities. Right. But you know, at the same time, it's hard for me to remind myself I'm supposed to be falling. Like if I'm not flailing, like if I'm not, you know, that's what I'm supposed to be doing when I'm bouldering. I should be trying the things that are difficult for me, the things that I'm failing on, the things that I struggle on that are uncomfortable. If I'm not, I'm not getting better. And what kind of example am I actually showing? Right. But saying this right now is really easy yeah. when I'm in front of like 60 people and there's some goofy run and jump volume thing. It's a lot harder. And you feel like, like the Jim Strong dude is gunning for you. Oh God. And they have everything <laughs> dialed. Yeah, exactly. And you, you almost like, it goes through my head a lot of the times where I'm like, like I need to explain that <laughs> this is their gym and they've got it dialed and climbing in every gym is different because they've never climbed in another gym. And this is the only place they climb and they own this place. And I'm not going to be as good at them or as good at this as they are until maybe tomorrow. But really, I feel like I should explain that. Does any of it fucking matter? Like, no, it doesn't fucking matter yeah. at all. So I never do explain it. You know, I'm not that big of an asshole <laughs> anymore. And, but I still feel that way. You know, it still creeps into my head. And I've said this before on the podcast that I'll oftentimes, when I go into the gym and I, and I did this a little bit today, I look for the problems that don't suit me at all you know, that are the big giant dynamic moves, you know, the things that 
feel like they're going to be extra difficult for me. And I'll try those because then I'm, I'm just letting everybody know right off the bat, like I might look really stupid trying this problem at first, but I can spend some time on it. I can figure out the movement. I can dial it in and maybe I can do it. Maybe I don't, you know, I didn't send either of the problems I tried today. Mm -hmm. Um, and that's fine. You know, my victory was trying to understand and working through these dynamic moves that are difficult for me. So, I mean, I think that's the, I think it's part of just the curse of putting yourself out there. Like some people are going to watch you. Some people are going to wonder why you're failing at their warm up. you know, but most people don't give a shit. Yeah. They're there after work. They couldn't care less. They're minding their own business. Like, but yeah. And I mean, like the thing is like as a coach, like we more than anyone need to exemplify what we teach. Yeah, like totally. I need to go in, get on my vegetable boulders, like just get absolutely stomped. And like, cause that's how I get better. Like I could easily walk in, spot out the hardest thing that looks my style, go and crush it. And then everyone be like, Oh wow, he climbs well. That's nice. And then I don't get better. Like I'll just get worse over time. Yep. And then like, okay, cool. What kind of example am I act? Like, am I actually walking the walk here or am I just like trying to protect my ego? Yeah. Um, and I think, I think vegetable, first off, thanks Will, Will Anglin for uh, that term because Nate's been using it constantly, mm-hmm. constantly. <laughs> um, <laughs> but I think vegetable boulders are different for different people. Like those dynamic, they require some interesting you know, momentum move. Those are my vegetable boulders. You know, those are the things I need to do. Those are the things that are going to be the best for me, but they're the things I don't really want to do. And those are a lot of these gym kids and not even the gym kids, uh, you know, that's, that's totally dismissive of their abilities outside, but a lot of these young crushers, those are their dessert boulders. Like mm-hmm. they eat that shit up. They love it, you know, and they love burning me off on them, <laughs> you know, and that's fine. Do it. You know, I want to watch them do it so I can learn how the hell to be springy like that. So, yeah. And you know, what's kind of cool. I was thinking about this the other day. Um, cause I am significantly worse inside the gym than I am outside. Oh yeah. Me I too. Mean, easily two to three number grades. Um, I wouldn't even know about routes cause I don't really sport climb inside. It seems terrifying. I don't climb harder than 12 a inside. Yeah. Um, Hell no. But here's like kind of a fun way to look at it. Like I'm horrible at climbing inside. Um, which is awesome because I can go to any gym anywhere and there will always be plenty of boulders hard enough for me to like be challenged on. Yeah, totally. So like you have this great advantage of like these blocky power style, which is like the American like standard for mm-hmm. gym setting is yep. your weakness. So cool. You can walk in anywhere Yep. Uh, and have that to your advantage. Yeah, totally. You know, and another thing I think it's important to say is like, this isn't just like, oh, we're coaches. And so this is something we deal with. Like, man, everyone deals with this as far as like yeah, going in point. and being stressed out. Like I know, like I've climbed with a lot of tiny females <clears throat> like over my climbing career. And man, gym setting is not yeah. conducive to them yeah. at all. Like yep. unless you can just crimp a lot of foot chips. Yep. And so like 
man, I've seen this so many times where a girl will walk, like walk in. She's like, you know what? Today I'm going to eat my vegetables. I'm going to go over. She gonna, didn't say that. No, not at all. <laughs> she's like, I'm going to go hate send this thing real see quick. Will, see what happened here. <laughs> but she's like, she's like, you know what? Today I'm going to work my weakness. I'm bad at pinches and slopers. So they warm up. They go over, they find something. Maybe it's a couple grades easier for than what they normally do. They get into it and they're like, oh, this is awesome. Like, you know what? It's challenging. I'm having fun and it's just them. And then all of a sudden, Becky with the big hands walks over and just hikes it for her warm up. <laughs> oh, man. You know, that was a good one. You're on your game tonight. So now they have this like crossroads of, okay, like I was having, I was having fun. It was nice. I was doing my own thing. But suddenly, <laughs> someone get over Becky with the big hands. Suddenly, Sorry. this girl had to walk over and just crush my pinch project in my face. So you know they have an option of: do they bite the bullet? Do they keep trying this thing that's going to make them better? That's right. challenging for them, even though it doesn't right. have a high number. Or do they go to the forty-five and go show Becky what their little raccoon paws can do and just crimp up her project? Right, right. Yep, they go right back to their comfort zone. Yeah, and, and they stop learning. Because of it, you know, and I think a lot of times I've definitely done that, you know, that was my fucking mission back in the day. (laughs) Like anytime there was just a, just an idiot dude in there, it was my mission to show them up, you know, but now it's like I, there are, there have been times where I've done that. I'm like, oh, I can, I can just go crush that problem right now, you know, but then it never feels good. Like it doesn't. You do it and you're like, well, no shit, I did it. Yeah. Like, I knew I was going to do it. Now I'm just that, more tired. That and I'm, sucked. Why did I do that? Yeah. You know? So it's, I don't know, man. Um, there was definitely a time, this is one of my proudest moments in the gym. And this was a few years ago when I was still in Cincinnati. And there was a, and I might have mentioned this on the podcast already. I've definitely mentioned it in workshops. Um, there was a problem that was set as a big double dyno, you know, this kind of sideways double dyno, jug to jug. Um, but I was sure as hell not going to double dyno. Mm-hmm. And I found... Because if you have good technique, you don't double dyno, right? Exactly. Yeah. yeah, you don't do that shit. Nobody does that. Only the people who suck do that, you know, <laughs> which is ridiculous. And I found very quickly, I, I may have even flashed it, found a way to not do the double dyno. Mm-hmm. And I was like proud of that. Like, of course. Like, yeah. oh, look, I can fucking crush this thing and I don't do that stupid move, you know? But then I saw one of the young, super egotistical gym crushers do the move, you know? And this kid, like, he got on my nerves <laughs> only because he was so egotistical. And then it occurred to me, like, fuck, that's what I'm doing. You know, I'm just being a jackass by flaunting that I can do it without the double dyno. Mm-hmm. Why don't I try the double dyno? So I tried it while he was sitting there, him and his friends, you know, and and fell on my ass. Like, didn't even touch the hold, <laughs> fell on my ass. Looked like, it looked ridiculous. And it took me probably, I don't know, eight tries, you know. And I'm like, hey, do that again. Like, I want to see, I want to see the way you're doing that. And he'll do it again. He crushes it. It looks super easy. And I try to mimic what he does. And eventually I do it. And then I do it a few more times to try to smooth it out. And, you know, to pat myself on the back, he never tried it my way. You know? <laughs> and, and I only say that because 
he was he was being just as egotistical as I was. I was being just as egotistical as he was. But on that occasion, and I don't do this on every occasion, but on that occasion, I took the opportunity to learn, and he didn't. And I think that you know that he missed out on something. Now you're here to publicly let him know you took the higher road. Yeah, doing yeah. great, Chris. Yeah. <laughs> Exactly. <laughs> you should be following me. I'm, gl- I'm glad this hasn't haunted you for years. <laughs> um, and I and I think back on a lot of times where I didn't take that opportunity to learn, you know. And mm. I wish I would have. Yeah, I mean, I I know I've I spent years not taking the opportunity to learn with a lot of things. Yep. So that was my number two. What's cool. your number three? I really like that one. Um, I don't know. I've got a couple. Um, you can only choose one. You know, this one, it's kind of a uh, a hodgepodge. So it was going to be the beginner's mindset, which is just, you know, not being afraid to fail. Like, just trying anything. Like, man, watching the kids tonight was awesome. Getting super creative and trying crazy beta. Yeah. yeah. Like, like watching youth teams, especially when kids are, like, super young and they, I won't say they don't know better, but, like, they're just, like, these little balls of energy and intuition and creativity. Like... They just don't give a fuck about anything. They're just like, I'm just going to try and throw a heel over my head. I don't care that I'm, you know, like this shouldn't work. And they just do crazy things. And sometimes they just completely surprise you. And it's really fun to watch. Like, and they'll just go through all these different combinations. And man, there's times where it's like, how did you think of that? Like that worked really, really well. Yeah, that happens a lot. Yeah. And I mean, and then like the next thing they try, it's just like, whoa, like, you know, I naturally want to be like, pull it back. But at the same yeah. time, it, that's their creativity and like this. Yeah. Yeah. Let it go. Yeah. And I'm, I'm a little envious of that for sure. Because when I, when I was a beginner and I, my beginner mindset was you climb like Francois Legrand or you don't climb. Mm-hmm. Like that's how it felt. Like three points of contact, drop knee every move, do not bend your arms. And that's how you climb period. Yeah. yeah. And I mean, that's like what I was talking about earlier. Like I think when I first started, it was very much just like, you know, you're just kind of clumsily feeling your way around. And you're like, <sighs> like you're dropping me in the wrong way. And like, right, right. there are no rules. Like, yeah. but that's just it. Like, even now there are no rules. Like, totally. You can do whatever you want. And if it works, sick. Um, yeah, like that back heel. You yeah. Know? It looks ridiculous. It looks ridiculous every single time anyone on earth does it. But sometimes... That's the way to do the move. Yeah, doing like a backstep heel hook, which yeah. is like just super goofy. I mean, it's about as utilized as the front flag. Yeah, exactly. But which I saw yesterday. I was probably a kid and they didn't even care. They were just like, oh, watch me throw this front flag. Yeah, it was hilarious. They were like, you know, let's, it was doing the one leg drills. Oh, and, yeah. And he just automatically went into a front flag. And I was like, whoa. I, I was I, like, have you ever done that before? No. Got any, what did I do? It I just felt what right. you mean. Yeah, I just did what felt natural. Yeah, it was cool. So that was kind yeah. of like what I was going to go with, the whole beginner mindset. I feel like we kind of covered it with the last one. Yep, yep. Um, but yeah, so the next one, like it's kind of a hodgepodge. Like I feel like there are just things that I did really well over time or I've done during certain periods. And maybe I was doing so much at the time that I didn't realize this one thing worked really well. Okay. Um, so a really good example is how I trained before I went to wild iris. Um, so this was like four years ago, I wanted to get strong on pockets. So for like the two months ahead of time, all I had access to was a little like Woody in a barn. And I was like, well, there are no pockets. So I'm just going to climb, do circuits on the jugs and like more or less like 
project boulders on the jugs, but I would only grab them with my middle two fingers or like different two finger pairs. Right. And so I got really good at just like <clears throat> pulling with those fingers. I didn't have the constriction of a pocket. And I don't know, I was just, <laughs> literally just climbing on jugs. And so at the time I was like, I think this is working. Like I feel more comfortable. I went out and I had like, man, I had a, f I had a fantastic like 10 days. Like I think I climbed like seven or eight new five thirteens, which at the time for me was enormous. Like right. that doubled any week I'd ever had. I had flashed a 13 B, which was like maybe the first 13 I ever did first try, like mm -hmm. everything I was doing in like two, three tries. And I was like, yeah, I don't understand why people think lander's hard. Like right. I feel great on pockets. Yep. Um, and then I actually ended up injuring a finger very severely, mm -hmm. which kind of caused me to forget about all this. Like the finger injury was because I went way too many days on, I did a trail day, like, you know, used a shovel for eight straight hours, woke up the next day, could barely open my hands. They were so stiff and I was so dehydrated. And then the next day I went rock climbing and right. got on something super pockety. Yep. Um, <clears throat> and got injured and it wasn't. And so, yeah, like I kind of forgot how good everything went like and I, and that was my first time in lander so i didn't know any better and so it wasn't until this year that i went back to wild iris and started climbing on the things that i was like climbing in one and two goes and i was just like oh like i was in really really good shape for this right like i did something well and uh <clears throat> i bumped into ander under rockstad um he came out his first time ever in lander and he was like yeah i've been doing a lot of like mono hangs and like pocket hangs and trying to get my tendons ready but you know it just doesn't feel like it worked correctly. He's like, I can kind of hang them, but I can't pull on them. Right. And can't that's when make this, the big moves. Yeah. yeah. And that's when this all kind of clicked. I was like, oh, <laughs> like I was just practicing like grabbing things as two fingers and pulling really hard. And when I got there, it worked great. Yep. But it wasn't until I came back and realized I was woefully unpre unprepared to grab like monos yeah. and twos again. Yeah. You came back this year and everybody in Lander was like, dang, I thought Nate was strong. Yeah. What happened? Yeah. I guess I'm just going to go deadlift <laughs> for a while, guys. <laughs> but you know, there were a lot of things like that, that I'm starting to realize they worked really well, but it's not until I stopped doing them and then tried to go through a similar experience again that I'm like, Oh, I should probably pick that back up again. Yep. Um, yeah. And you know, I think it, it, there was what was going to be my third, which I've already changed. Um, sort of was more about like that. I, I wish I had, looked at the, you know, the bigger picture instead of digging into the minutia. You know, I wish I still knew how to do that mm -hmm. um, because you can get lost in that minutia, like trying to be too specific to your goal and, and just believing what everyone else says is whatever says is that's not even a word <laughs> believing whatever everyone else says. And, and then you just, you end up trapped, you know, you take the things that worked for you before and totally discount them. Yeah. You know, I've seen that happen a lot. It's happened to me quite a few times. Yeah. I mean like, yeah, to give another example, something that, you know, you can kind of take with a grain of salt. When I started rock climbing, everything I did up until that point was I was a distance runner. So my style was very much formed around, I was really strong at grabbing and pulling with my feet. And like, you know, you've climbed with me enough. Like that's still very much how I climb. Right. Like I grab with my toes and I pull like, that is just how I do everything. And so to this day, when I'm in good running shape, man, my legs get so much stronger and I climb harder. And I've gone through these waves of being like, no, I should probably stop running because people say so. Mm. Right, right. And when I get back into it, also like, and this is something I didn't kind of piece together till the other day, I was climbing with a doctor friend. Um, but 
I'm, so I'm asthmatic mm-hmm. and it, for a lot of my adult life, it hasn't been a big deal because I was on a swim team and I ran cross country. And so that actually built up my lungs to the point to where sure. it wasn't even a thing. Yep. Um, made your aerobic system a little more efficient. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but what's funny is like, I kind of dropped off running about two years ago. I get really winded on routes now, like mm-hmm. to the point to where I was trying a route the other day and I would actually have to stop at a shake hold and shake out. Now, I mean, I felt fine, but I would have to be able to like slow my breathing because it was like borderline panic zone. So I'm like, right. my breathing holds And this back. was in Kentucky or West Virginia? West Virginia. Yeah. If you get um, winded in West Virginia, something's wrong. Yeah. yeah. So, I mean, yeah, and, but that was just it. And like, I know when I'm in good running shape, like that's not a problem. My f- legs are a lot stronger. I can pull harder. Also, this is like, so this kind of goes back to uh, intuition versus logic. Like, I really like trying hard. Yeah. Like, I get it. Like, we shouldn't be doing like the Rocky, the Jane Fonda, the Arnold Schwarzenegger <laughs> kind of training. Yeah, I said Jane Fonda. <laughs> but like the whole feel the burn, feel the pump, like just like putting your head down and doing a ton of work. Like the pump lust, as yeah, Eric Hurst put it. Yes. Like, I get it. We're not supposed to do it. But I fucking love that shit, man. Like, I really enjoy just like working hard. Like, that gets me so psyched. <clears throat> and so, what I've realized is when I'm running hard, like, I get that benefit. And frankly, it doesn't slow down my climbing. Like, I have such a background of track and cross country that, like, I can run hard. At, you know, if I'm not training for a marathon or if I'm not trying to like break four in the mile, like, it's not going to hurt my climbing. But right. I can kind of get out that excess energy and excess, like, I'm going to go out. I'm just going to like try and rip off as many fast miles as possible. And then I can go be very sensible with my rock climbing training. <laughs> like, but I have to get it out somewhere. Otherwise, like, yeah, I just kind of lose my mind. Yeah, um, totally. So that's something that I'm starting to come around more and more to. Um, just, yeah, things like that. Like, okay, what, what did I used to do really well? Even if maybe on paper it didn't make sense. Like, I, there's no research back, backing this yep but it's like it worked for me Mm -hmm. like i know without question for me it worked so i'm trying to come back to them yeah and i've been thinking a little bit of uh, you know along these lines because my first foray into hangboarding was wildly successful part of that is that i was a beginner and my finger strength was horrible because gains yeah noob gains exactly because i'd been a traddy and which essentially are noob gains. Um, yeah. Everything's a noob gain at that point. I mean, did, did you ever use your hands? Did I ever what? Yeah, exactly. I don't, I don't your grip know. training was actually just open, like pulling the trigger on a cam? Yeah. I, no, I, I only use the back of my hands. I don't use my fingertips for anything. <laughs> you know? But so my first season of hangboarding, I didn't really know any better. So I went to failure a lot. Like a lot of my hangs were totally to failure you know they weren't like 45 second hangs to failure Mm -hmm. i was finding holds that were small enough or weight that was high enough that i would be failing in you know sometimes two seconds you know (laughs) i could pull on barely hold the hold and i would do that for weeks and weeks and then after several weeks i could hold that hold for 15 you know 18 seconds yeah is that making gains yeah, that's making gains. Yeah. You know? Objectively, you're doing better. That shit yeah. works. Yes. And even though science says that shouldn't work. Yes. You know, that that's not the way to train. 
for me at that time, it worked really well. And at this point in the game, I'm thinking I should go back and try another round of that. See if I see the same kind of gains. Am I risking injury? Yes. Uh, but I'm also old and I'm risking injury every damn time I stand up out of bed. Pretty much. So, <laughs> so, and I think I'm good enough at this point or, um, I'm aware enough at this point that I can, I can rein it in when I feel like injury is about to happen. Cause like you've always said, we all know when it's about to go down. Mm-hmm. Like we know when something's about to go bad and we just go, well, one more. And I, as long as I'm very vigilant about, not going to that one more, then I think I'll be okay. Cause I wasn't exactly a spring chicken when, yeah. when I started hangboard training. I mean, I was a 30 something year old. I think you've always track. been 40 as far as I've known. <laughs> <laughs> it's true. It's true. Um, yeah. No, I mean, it's, you know, it's funny. I was in the gym. I was in TBA the other day and, uh, there's a woman who asked like a local strong guy, she was like, you know, what should I do for hangboarding? And I wish I would have written this down because it was, it was beautiful. Like it was just this like great, like 20 words summation of what good hangboarding was. He was just like, well, find a bad hold that you can hang off of. If you can hang for longer than 10 seconds, find something worse. And if you hang on tiny crimps, it'll get you better at tiny crimps. And that was <laughs> yeah, it. And I was just yeah. like, that was fucking brilliant. Like, yeah. man, yeah, totally, you man. just explained what books have attempted in like hundreds of pages Right. And like, but that's just it. Yeah. It's like, just try hard sometimes. Like, yeah. Yeah. Are we at my number three? Uh, I think so. Yeah. Okay. Um, my number three, and this was a last minute addition, um, is that you can't take a day for granted. You have to make the most of it Mm. back in the day. And not so long ago, just a few years ago when I was a weekend warrior, I was really, really dialed into, we're going to make the most of this day. You know, we would go out with a, a crew of three or four and, and we would sometimes hit three or four crags, you know, everybody get burns on their projects. Everybody feel like they got in a full day. Dude, we can warriors go hard. We can warriors go hard, you know, and Dave McLeod's nine out of 10 books. Oh. He, he mentions, he says, fear the weekend you know, warriors, fear the weekend warrior. Exactly. Yeah. Like those people have drive. You know, they've got a plan, they've got an agenda, and they're about to go hard. And they will steamroll over you if they need to. Yeah, man. By the way, speaking of Weekend Warriors, huge shout out to Brian Sunte. Oh, yeah. Local Weekend Warrior for crushing, or I guess not local to Montana. No, Um, not local to Montana. But uh, Local to the Red River Gorge. Yeah, for crushing 50 words for pump. That's awesome, man. Yeah, stoked for you, Brian. This guy who's been out there putting in the effort and putting in the work and, yeah, just shows what a Weekend Warrior is capable of doing. Yeah, exactly. And now that I'm no longer a weekend warrior, I haven't fucking rock climbed in who knows how long. <laughs> like I can go rock climbing every day. Suddenly I mean, you don't. I've got boulders 15 minutes from my front door that I haven't done. Mm-hmm. Why don't I go try them? Because I can try them tomorrow. Yeah, I mean, there's tomorrow. Yeah, I'll get around to it. Mm-hmm. Someday. You know, and that, that could go on for years. And it, for a lot of people, it does. Yeah, and not, you know, granted, I did... We did just buy a house, so I'm working on the house and I'm building a business. But so what? I was working my ass off when I was a weekend warrior all week long. <laughs> I could still go out and make the most out of the one or two days I get to go rock climbing. You know, I had I had a little girl at the time. Now she's 20. She's living in Lander with me. I don't 
not with me, but she's living in Lander. I don't have to watch over her anymore. I don't have to babysit. You know, I can go hang out with her in the evenings after I'm done climbing. But I still don't go climbing, mm-hmm. you know. So that's a that's probably the most the most relevant one. The most the one that's the most current for me is that I need to be getting out there. I need to be putting in the reps. I need to be climbing a bunch of pitches. I need to be doing a bunch of moves, and I need to be climbing. Yeah, you know. So I used to. I got more. I did more climbing being able to spend how many did I spend in general? Uh, one, two, three, four. I spent about seven days a month climbing outside at my peak as a weekend warrior. And I got way more done then with the climb, the nearest climbing being two and a half hours away than I do now with the nearest climbing being 10 minutes down the road. Yeah. Man, so. it, it's the power of a deadline. And like you value the time, like that small bit of time you have. Mm-hmm. Not that you have all the time in the world right now, but uh Yeah, but I I have time. Mm-hmm. Like I could go for forty five minute sessions four times a week. Mm-hmm. You know, I could easily do that. There's 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 no question that I could easily I spend at least forty five minutes eating fucking M and M's. So <laughs> I could spend that bouldering. <laughs> You know? Yeah. No, it's, you know, and this kind of goes back to the whole beginner mindset thing. Like, man, I love being around just honestly anyone who's psyched, but like you see beginners and they're just like, it's like, oh, it's 102 out. Um, I remember my first climbing trip. I actually, I went out with a bunch of guys. We didn't know any better. This is in Texas in like August. We went out for like two days. All we had was like Polish sausage and tang. (laughs) And like, we were fucking psyched, man. Like, and like the water that was coming, it was enchanted rock too, which is giant granite dome of yeah. just like choss. Yep. And like the water that was coming out of the spigot was so hot that you just had to like pour in as much tang as you could to make it stomachable because mm-hmm. you were drinking like <laughs> semi-boiling water. Is tang stomachable? I mean, it's made for astronauts, Chris. <laughs> it was when I was 20. <laughs> I don't think it's stomachable for me anymore. Oh man. Just saying. But yeah, it's like... I, I still, like, there wasn't a negative thing said on that whole trip. Like, I have a friend who fell in a cactus. Like, there was not a bad word said. <laughs> we were stoked to climb. So amped. Yeah. Um, yeah. Like, and you climb around, like, people now, like, they're just, like, they're just getting into it. Or, like, they're really, like, hitting their stride. Like, when people are on the upswing, man, those are the people you want to be around. And it's just nice to be reminded yeah. of, like, yep. oh, that's right. Like, that's what it looks like to be passionate. Mm-hmm. Yep. Um, and it's cool. And I have a lot of respect for people who there's a lot of people who can keep that drive. Even like they've been climbing 20 years and they're just as psyched as someone who's like 10 days into it. And it's awesome. Like I love being around those people. Yeah, totally. And like when Tanner Wilson came out to Lander for the climbers festival and you know, I went, I took him out to the rock shop and, and showed he and his girlfriend Jesse around and, and they were stoked. Like, Tanner is this giant ball of psych. I mean, that's, that's just what he is. And then I saw him like three days later and he's like, 
I climbed all three days. I went night climbing after we went bouldering. <laughs> and then I went out to this crag the next day and this crag the next day. And I'm going climbing tomorrow. And you want to climb tonight? And I'm like, oh my God, dude. You know? And at the time, I was insanely busy. But I don't want to use that as an excuse anymore. I want to, I want to put the time into my schedule. Right now, my schedule gets full. And then I'm like, I'll find time to climb. That's not how it used to be. And that's how it can't continue to be climbing has to be in my schedule and then I'll find time to fit the other things in, mm -hmm. you know? So I, th I think you're right. I mean, having those people around who are super stoked is great. Yeah. You know, and it's funny, you know, BJ Tilden, local strong guy and Lander is, he's essentially a weekend warrior, mm -hmm. you know, and he gets out and he gets shit done. Yeah. And I mean, I'm you were like, talking about try hard. Yeah. Yeah, he makes the most of every day at the crag, every day at the boulder. And and he's essentially a weekend warrior. I have so much more free time than BJ does, but he schedules climbing into his week. He's like, Wednesdays are climbing day, you know? Tilden Construction shuts down on Wednesdays. <laughs> We're going rock climbing, you know? And he, he'll text me like, you want to go climbing? And I'm like, I don't know. I got all this to do, you know? And finally, just last week, I was like, he texted me and I'm like, all right, I'm in. You mm -hmm. know, I didn't even look at the weather. It was 23 fucking degrees. <laughs> but it turned out to be an amazing day. And if I had looked at the weather, if I had thought about are there other things I can do, I sure as hell would not have gone <laughs> rock climbing. I'd have found some other things to do. There's a million things I could be doing, but I want to go rock climb. So that shit needs to be on my schedule. Yeah. 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 So um, I, I implore any of you out there, if you run into me, at at the crag at the gym um via email at the grocery store i don't care if you run into me and you're like hey how's climbing and i'm like oh i haven't been climbing i'm so busy karate chop him in yeah, the throat karate chop me in the throat just be like shut the fuck up dude go rock climbing yeah i need that oh you know one one more thing to just kind of add to uh valuing every day is and this is something that I feel like I have been guilty of and I'm really working on now is I'll kind of forget where I'm at in this moment and I'll be like, oh, okay, yeah, you know, like come December when I'm, I've got a month to train. This right. is a program I'm yeah. going to be doing then. Like, yeah. and it's going to be great. And a lot of times I do stick to that kind of stuff, but it's like, it's like, okay, but what am I doing today? Like, what can I do today to make tomorrow's session better? Like, can I drink more water? Can I do like some, like, self-massage can i do core i can do core every day like you can yeah. always do core yeah. um, can you just sit back and enjoy it like can i just hang out here and watch like and just enjoy where i'm at right in this moment yeah you know for you know sure. yeah exactly like i feel like it's really like i've struggled with always looking at like <clears throat> oh and here in the future like th things will be better i'll be i'll have access to more things or you know, somehow it'll magically smooth out or somehow like it makes more sense to push things off a month from now or two months or three months from now. But it's, yeah, I'm starting to realize it's like, I need to just focus on what I'm doing today. Like, yeah, what totally. can I do today to make tomorrow better, to make the next week better? Because it doesn't matter what I'm doing for what kind of training I'm doing in December until December hits. Like, it's like, cool, I've got a couple of weeks until that happens. Or, you know, it doesn't matter what I'm doing next summer 
It's like, what am I doing today and tomorrow and the next day? Yeah. And you just, you just sparked something in my memory. Um, you know, when I would, when I would spend a few weeks in the summer in Lander, I would go climbing with BJ and it was constantly constant talk about conditions, you know? And I mean, constant, like <laughs> all day long. I feel like the humidity just dropped 2%, you know? And mm-hmm. I'd be like, shut the fuck up, dude. You have no idea what you're talking about. <laughs> and, and when we went out the other day and I used to think it was funny. Like I, I used to just be like, this shit is crazy. Like when we went out the other day and I sort I didn't begrudgingly, that's the wrong word, but, <laughs> <laughs> but it's what I got right now. It's what I got right now. Um, I went out and when I left, I was thinking there's other shit I could be doing and it's 23 degrees and it's freezing out here, mm-hmm. you know, and it was overcast and we were like hoping for sun, but sun wasn't happening. Yeah. And that's 23 degrees Fahrenheit for y'all across the pond. Yeah, exactly. It, that's cold. And, and then my knees hurt on the way down and I'm just miserable, you know, going to Wolf Point. The hike there's kind of heinous anyway. And the way down wrecked me. So I was like, this, the way up's going to suck. But the whole time they're talking about conditions, you know, should we go? Shouldn't we go? Uh, it, what if the sun comes out? The sun's going to come out. The sun's going to be out in 15 minutes, 15 minutes later, the sun's going to be out in 10 minutes, you know, constant talk about conditions. And I was like, at first I was like, this is crazy, you know? And then I'm like, you know what? These dudes are on a schedule. Like Tony and BJ, you know, Tony works for BJ. They've got today. They need to do it today. Tom's an ER doctor. Tom's got today. I've got every day. Mm -hmm. Like I could be doing this every day, but these dudes are dialed in. They're focused. They need to rock climb today, you know? So this constant chatter really is just a way for them to convince themselves that it's going to be a good day. You know, they will, they will talk themselves into the fact that conditions are going to get good. And then they did. And BJ sent his project, this, a new 14 C Tom fell on the last move of his long-term project and threw the most amazing wobbler I've ever seen. That was on video. It was great. It's on the Instagrams. Tom Rangich, you should go find him and, <laughs> and watch this wobbler. It's amazing. <laughs> and, uh, and then I was, I mean, that was inspiring to me. Like these guys are making the most of this day. You know, they came here, they chatted and chatted and chattered. And like, there was a lot of talk of maybe we should, we, we had already walked over to Wolf Point. And they're like, maybe we should just go back to town and get crash pads and go bouldering. And I'm like, y'all are nuts. I, there's no way I'm going back out bouldering. You just hiked like 45 minutes to get out there, uphill yeah. both ways. Oh, man, it takes me like an hour and a half. But it's crazy. It is uphill both it ways. Is, I know. Sucks. That's actually, it works. That yeah. phrase works that way. <laughs> <laughs> but those dudes were making the most of the day. And I was like, okay, when I get back from Montana, this is what it's got to be. I've got to put it in my schedule. That's got to be the time slot. And, and I can't, I can't say, uh, never mind. I can do it tomorrow. Mm-hmm. I've got to commit. 
Yeah. So, so basically what you're saying is you're like, okay, I'm going to live for today starting two weeks from now. Starting two weeks from now. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to live for today starting sometime yeah. on the road. Good plan. Yeah. All right. All right. Anything uh, else from you? No, I'm <clears throat> glad we finally got to do this one. I've had this in this notebook for a hot minute. It was a lot better than I thought. I thought it was going to Oh, really thanks. Suck. Thanks. No, I'm just kidding. You know, yeah. I like the idea all the time. I just, we didn't get to it. Yeah. Well, yeah. Here we are in Montana with a blizzard around us. So it's blizzarding, but we're going to make the most of it. Yes. Yeah. We're going to talk to the parents tomorrow and it's going to be amazing. Boom. Uh, you guys out there know exactly where to find us. And if you don't, I'm going to tell you it's at powercompanyclimbing.com. We sell training plans over there. We've got some products like process journals and finger care kits and We've got every training plan you could possibly want over there. So if you're interested in working with us, look into it. Nate's got room for some custom clients. Uh, Paul and Blake likely do as well at the time that you're hearing this. I probably do not, but I might. So email us, see what we got. I'm probably out climbing because I'm trying to live my number three. Uh, you can also find us on the social medias. Please share this shit. Share it everywhere. Share it on your Facebooks, share it on your Instagrams, share it on your Pinterests if you got a Pinterest. You can even share it on your Twitter. That would be amazing because you're not going to find Power Company Climbing on Twitter because we don't tweet. We scream like eagles. This time to build.